Hey church, as you just saw, we are in our Multiply Rhythm series and we've been talking about up, in and out, faith. We're going to talk about family today. We're going to talk, we're going to talk about fitness and fruit and finances and uh, all of our six Fs. So with family today, this is one of our rhythms, again, that we've gotten from the Sermon on the Mount. We've seen those six, or sorry, I should say Fs. We are six Fs we've gotten from the Sermon on the Mount. And in family today, uh, we're going to talk about this, this one key statement throughout the entire thing. And it's this. It's that uh, this family F isn't about your immediate family. It isn't about your, uh, your extended family. This is about your eternal family. Okay, and Jesus redefines the family here in this passage. And but but instead of just focusing on these few verses that Adam read earlier, we're actually going to focus on the context of of when Jesus says this, of why he says this, so that we know why this statement is actually a truth, because I could tell you uh, and, and you could maybe mentally assent to this that. Okay, in the kingdom of God and the family of God, it's not just about my immediate family or my external family. Yes, there's an eternal family. And you could, you could assent to that truth in the kingdom. And I could just tell you that and tell you that over and over again and go through this passage. But I want to give you the why. I want to tell you why that is necessary. I want to tell you why that's necessary for following Jesus. I want to tell you why that's necessary for making disciples. I want to tell you why that's necessary to be a kingdom citizen and why it's a, a, it's a true mark of, of a kingdom citizen. When Missy and I started out as a family, when we decided we were going to be a family together, uh, we said these things to the Lord. We said these two things. We'll go wherever you want us to go and we'll do whatever you want us to do. We'll go wherever you want us to go, God, and we'll do whatever you want us to do. God, our lives are yours, and as we came together as a married couple, we said that over our marriage. We said, God, we want to live on mission for you and go wherever you want us to go and do whatever you want us to do. And you might be saying, well, that's, that's great for you because, well, you're in ministry and, and you're a quote-unquote pastor, you're a leader of a church, uh, you know, those things. But guys, we said that before, before the Lord led us to Toronto. We said that before the Lord led us into ministry. We said that before the Lord led us into seminary. We said that while we were uh, in business. We said that while we were still uh, just, just trying to live for Jesus. And so don't, don't see me now and, and, uh, and, and, and um, pair it with who we are now. Think of me as, think of Missy and I as, as 20, low 20-year-olds 20 uh, saying, God, the future is open and, we, and our hands are open to do whatever you want to do with us and go wherever you want us to go. And you might be saying, well, ooh, I have, I have certain things and that I want to do all that. Well, we're going to deal with that today because, again, this isn't about uh, your immediate family, your external family, which often inform a lot of these desires. It's about the eternal family. And so check out with Jesus how this, how this, this section of, of Scripture starts out. Back in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus' attitude is shown here, his demeanor, his, uh, the, the way he thinks about himself. And 
And he recognizes, guys, he recognizes that you're weary. He recognizes that you're heavy laden. He recognizes that you're tired. He recognizes that you are laboring. So Jesus recognizes those things in this passage in verse 28. And he says, come to me. If you are laboring, if you're heavy laden, if you're weary, I will give you rest. What an amazing promise from the scriptures. He says, I will give you rest. Oftentimes, we're finding our rest in other things because we are heavy laden. You are weary. You are, uh, you're tired. You're laboring. But you're finding rest in something else. And I can go down a litany of things. Uh, and you might resonate with one or two of those. But just think about your life right now and where you're actually trying to find true rest. Sometimes... It's, it's uh, a vacation. Sometimes it's alcohol. Sometimes it's, it's uh, an, an app on your phone, a mindless game. Sometimes it's uh, just mindless entertainment on Netflix. Uh, and sometimes it's your family. Even your family may not... Uh, when that usurps Jesus giving you rest, well, it's just, as, it's just like any of those other things. So we want to put this, put our families in the right place. And you may be single and say, well, I don't have a family. No, you have, you have your parents, your, because Jesus is also single here. He, he has his parents and his brothers in this passage that, that we're going to talk about, right? And his sisters. So um, we're going to see, we're going to see that. But, and you might be married and say, well, uh, uh, you know, it might be your wife and your, your husband or your, your children, right? So Um, Put it in the context of of where you are right now. But Jesus says, I, I will give you rest. I will give it to you if you come to me. What a tremendous promise. So whatever you're going to for rest, let's, let's, let's seek Jesus for rest. Because he says this, he says, and this is because I am, Jesus says, I am gentle and humble lowly in heart. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this is how Jesus thinks about himself as gentle, as lowly in heart, as someone who can provide and give rest, grant rest to us, as someone who is the fulfillment of everything we're searching for. That's how Jesus thinks about himself. Now, uh, and and this, is, this is setting us up for how people are going to react to him now. Because guys, if Jesus says that to you, and if he says, like, I mean, I want that. I want to pursue Jesus. I want to come to Jesus. I want to find rest in him. I want peace and I want shalom. And you should, you should want that too if Jesus is, is saying that here, or since Jesus is saying that here. But those who he's saying it to... And we're going to see how they, and the people in the crowd, how they react to it. And so in, in chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, you see that the religious people, those who think they know everything, the Pharisees, uh, they, they think they know better than Jesus. And as Jesus is, is um, allowing the hungry to eat on a holy day, uh, the Pharisees get upset with him. And... 
Uh, they set themselves against him. And then you go into Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 14, and we see this again. Jesus heals somebody, a man who has a withered hand, and he's had it for years and years and years and years. And Jesus heals him on the Sabbath, on the, the Pharisees, on the religious holy day, and he heals them, and they get upset at him. He heals him and they get upset at him for it. They set themselves against him. Guys, it would be like in your weekly rally right now, someone coming in, let's say your R3 leader, um, someone comes in and your R3 leader heals them and you say, whoa, what are you doing? We're here to, we're here to worship God, not to be distracted by a sign of the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's what's happening here. Jesus is ushering in the kingdom of heaven, and this is a sign that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that it is here. And the religious people, the traditionalists, the ones who are caught up in the old wineskin, in the old version of, of church, in the old, in the old um, religious things, they say, what are you doing here? That, sure, that, that had to come from God, maybe, but you can't do that on this day that is dedicated to God. It's ridiculous. And so that's what's happening. That's what's happening here. They're setting themselves against Jesus. And when you go down to chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus says this. This is a hard statement. He says, whoever is not with me is against me. There's no in-between. There's no grayscale. If you're not with me, you're not just not with me, you're actually against me. And whoever does not gather with me is actually in the business of scattering. It's, it's those two things. You're with Jesus, your identity is in Christ, or it isn't. You're with me, or you're against me. You're gathering with me, or you're scattering. And then Jesus, Jesus goes into a tree known by its fruit in verses 33 through 37 in Matthew chapter 12. And he says, a disciple is known by the fruit that they produce. So what fruit are you producing? He says a tree is known by, by the fruit. A, a good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. So if you are a, if you are a disciple of the world, you're going to produce worldly things. If you're a disciple of the kingdom, you're going to produce kingdom things. If the Spirit dwells in you, you're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If some other spirit is in you, the spirit of the world, the spirit of this age, then you're going to produce the things of the world, the things that aren't the things of the spirit. So what fruit are you producing? I just want to encourage you to really uh, ask the Lord that question. God, help me evaluate what fruit I'm producing. Like your superpower as a human being is self-awareness. And so many of us uh, lack it because it actually takes a lot of work to be self-aware. So you got to get before the throne of God and ask him to help you be self-aware. And uh, here's the key to self-awareness. 
the more you know God, the more you know yourself. The closer you are to God, the closer you are to knowing who you are, the less blind spots you will have. The more you spend time in the scriptures, the more you spend time in God's presence through prayer, the more you spend time serving, the more you spend time living on mission, the more you will know who you are because the more you will know God. So what fruit are you producing? Let me put it this way. When is the last time you made a disciple of Jesus? When's the last time you produced that type of fruit? When's the last time you made a disciple? Because guys, that's what we're called to do. We are trees. If we are trees in the kingdom of heaven, we are producing disciples. That's the fruit. That's the fruit of our labors. It's the harvest. It's labors going in the harvest and bringing in the harvest. So ask yourself this. Be honest before the Lord. When's the last time you made a disciple of Jesus? You took someone from darkness to light. You took someone from death to life because you introduced them to Jesus. As that is the fruit that, that's, that's what Jesus has called us to. That is the great commission, co-mission, on mission with Jesus, cooperating with Jesus. And we've been invited into that. How beautiful and glorious that is to live on mission with Jesus, to follow him in his footsteps in the great commission. He's, he's, he's saying, this is my mission. This is the mission from the Father. This is why I came here. And it's a co-mission. Together now we can do it. Because I'm leaving and I'm sending my spirit and he's going to fill you and give you power and you're going to go out from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. You get to do that. You can do that. A lot of you think you can't do that. You can do that. You're empowered to do that. And here's the thing. If you're not Here's the thing, you're not following Jesus unless you are doing that. You're you may be following some semblance of a Christian religion, but you're not following Jesus unless you are living on mission, co-mission with Jesus. Because that is the path he laid out for us. And guys, our church now more than ever because of our, our three strategy because of how we structure the church now, we are here to equip and empower you to make disciples. We want to help you do that because we believe you get to do that because we believe you can do that. And for a lot of us, that's a re-orging. It's, it's, it's understanding the eternal family, the family of God a little bit differently. And so this rhythm of family, we're, which we're getting to, is, is in this context of disciple-making, of discipleship, of living on mission, of gathering with Jesus, of being with him, not against him, of, of our identity firmly rooted in Christ. And so he goes on in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 to 40. Five, so this is right before our passage that, that Adam read today. This is right before that. And he says, 
And he, he gives this illustration of this unclean spirit who's gone out of a person and it's kind of wandering around. And then it says, you know what? I'm going to return to my house, that person from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty. It finds it swept. It finds it put in order. So what does it do? It brings seven of its friends, more evil than itself, seven other spirits, and they enter, dwell there, and have a party there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So it will be with this evil generation, Jesus says. Guys, is your house empty? Your, your body, like, are you filled with the Spirit? Like, he's talking about you individually. Like, is your house empty? If you aren't with Jesus, living on mission with Jesus, making disciples with Jesus, you are against Jesus, he says. So your house may not be as full as you think it is. It may be empty. And it may look good. It may be swept and cleaned and put in order. It may look good from the outside. But it's, it's a place where evil can come in and distract and the ways of the world can, can turn you aside. And so he says here, he, he's making this point to be filled with the Spirit. Guys, okay, so let's take it from you individually to, to us corporately as a church. Is our house empty? The church, the house of God. Right? We're not talking about a building, right? We're talking about the people of God. Is, is our house empty? Is it just look swept and cleaned and put in order? You know, in Mark chapter 7, Jesus talks about uh, the traditions of man. He talks about the commandments of God. And he says, you leave the commandment of God and you hold on to the tradition of men. And he says, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Are we doing that? Have we been doing that? I think as a church, guys, for us, these rhythms have really informed us to say, in our church, we may have been holding on to the, to the traditions of men too much. And so, guys, a year and a half ago, we came open-handed to the Lord and said, we'll go wherever you want us to go as a church, and we'll do whatever you want us to do. It's my life's mantra. We said, whatever you want, God. You take the past seven years, and yeah, it looks good. It's swept. It's clean. Things are in order. It's growing. It has all the, all the um, indications of, of health, multiplying. But God, now you take, you take this and you fill us with your spirit. Because we really want to be living on mission with you. And we want to be making disciples who make disciples. And we weren't actually fully doing that. We weren't actually even close to fully doing that. And so... That is the impetus for how everything in our church changed over the past year and a half, over almost two years now, actually. So, and it's because we said we want to leave the traditions of men, hold on to the commandments of God, and follow Him. Amos 5, you have the prophets there, and, and Jesus, uh, not, and, and they, it says in Amos 5, it says, the Lord's saying, 
I hate and I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. Guys, even the songs were empty. So their offerings were empty. The songs were empty. Does that sound familiar in, in, in your lives? Does that sound familiar in, in your experience of church? That's what we have been trying to change in our church. Because, our like, guys, even songs, like our songs at Trinity Life, uh, I love Adam and the creative team and, and the songs they've, they've come up with that are born out of our own experience with the Lord and our own journey as a church. That's why they're so, so um, beautiful for us who've been living on mission with, with this body of believers because they're born out of our own struggles, our own desires, our, our own um, uh, journey with the Lord and, and seeing what He's done, His goodness and, and how He's worked through our church and, uh, and, and, and God says here, even take away from me the noise of your songs, the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But he says, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. If you are following Jesus, Jesus in John 7, if you believe in me, there's a river of life that will flow out of you. That will flow out of you. It's, it's, this, it's this passage from Amos, right? This ever-flowing stream. We see the, the river of life also in, in Revelation, right? That's flowing uh, from the throne of God. And in 2 Timothy, Paul says, Paul says in chapter 3, verse 5, he says, uh, he, he has this list of things, and he says one of the things is uh, we have been accustomed to having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. He says, avoid those people. Avoid those things where you've become accustomed to having the appearance of godliness. Your house swept, put in order, looking good, but it lacks power. You've denied its power. And so for us as a church, we've said, okay, what does that look like? In particular for today, what does that look like for the family rhythm? How does, what does that mean? How should I understand my family, my immediate family, my external family, in light of the eternal family? Because that doesn't mean we get rid of your immediate family, get rid of your eternal family or external family. But your eternal family redefines your immediate and, and, uh, and um, extended family. I think I said external earlier. Uh, your extended family it redefines it for you. It helps you put it in its proper place so that family isn't distracting you. So check this out, because Jesus is giving these teachings. And it says, while he was speaking in verse 46, sorry, while he was still speaking. So guys, he is speaking all these amazing kingdom truths. He's teaching, he's sharing, and while he's still speaking to the people, behold. And when you see a behold in the scriptures, it's like a smack in the face. It's like something, uh, something big and crazy or significant or wild is about to happen. Behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak with him. Guys, it was like they were embarrassed of him. And they're like, hey, Jesus, like, come over here so we can talk to you. Like, you're embarrassing us. And, and you might say, well, 
Yeah, it could be that, but how do you get that? Well, you'll see later on when Jesus gets rejected in his hometown, which we'll, we'll, we'll go into. Uh, it's like, they're like, hey, come here. And, and he says, he replies to the man who told him this. He says, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? That's pretty, pretty uh, <laughs> uh, big statement. And he stretches out his hands towards his, towards his disciples. And he said, here my mother and my brothers. In that moment, he redefines who the family is. Why are they his mother and his brothers? Well, verse 50 says, he says, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. The whole family unit is redefined. It's why, I tell, um, it's why I tell people who are looking to get married, it's why missing out when we counsel young couples and we counsel um, premarital couples, we say, you're, if you want to get married and you're ma- or your marriage, for those who are already married, the sole purpose of that marriage is to live on mission for Jesus together more than you would have if you were single. And if you can't do that, and if that marriage is going to distract you from living more on mission for Jesus, serving him more fervently, then you shouldn't get married. Then it's not of God. Because your sole destiny in this world is to be an ambassador for Christ, is to be a minister of reconciliation, is to be a disciple maker. So if your marriage or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your children are distracting you from that, then your family rhythm is off. It's askew. It may be evil because it's not of the kingdom of heaven. And so what am I saying? I'm not saying you uh, divorce your wife. I'm not saying you get rid of your kids if you're married and have kids. I'm saying you need a complete reordering. The eternal family has to order your immediate family and your external family. And I'm saying if you're single and you're looking to get married, you need, you need to know that your desire to get married has to fit into the eternal family of God, into mission, into disciple making. Because if it doesn't, And it's not going to be the marriage that you wanted it to be or you thought it was going to be. It's not going to be one of willingness and obedience to go wherever and to do whatever the Lord wants you to do. That's the key to successful marriage, guys. It's not compromise. It's not communication. It's not getting on the same page with finances. It's getting on the same page with the Lord. Simple as that, if you're a follower of Jesus. It's saying to God, we'll do whatever you want us to do and go wherever you want us to go together. And if you can do that with your immediate family and your external family and your extended family, then great. But guys, Jesus says, Jesus redefines his family as his disciples who are traveling around with him. He says, This is my family. I'm on this mission, I'm doing the will of the Father here, and they have come along with me. Guys, I love my parents. My parents, I'm really close to my parents, but they're not the family I have in Toronto to live on mission with. You know, and they're still close to me, but they're, they're living on mission where they are. And they are, they're where they are. Um, 
The family that's here locally is the family that I'm living on mission with. I've redefined our family. Like our, 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 our three leaders, our leadership team, like we are living on mission together with this, with this family. And so you may need a reordering of that. Some of you guys, you're so stuck in your extended families that you, are, you neglect your eternal family that you're supposed to be living on mission with here for your extended family. So you're gone half the time because you're at the cottage, you're on vacation, you know, whatever it is. Guys, I'm not saying you, you, your, external family, your extended family is dead to you. I'm just saying what's more important to you. That or mission. And your mission here, if you've chosen to put your life here, it's localized here to live on mission with the people that God has said, yes, this is your, this is your eternal family. And you're only going to get out of it what you put into it. And Jesus says, there's not a grayscale. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. If you're going to straddle the fence, you're going to feel uncomfortable the entire time because it's uncomfortable straddling a fence. You just feel uncomfortable the entire time. You either got to choose to be in and be all in or you can be out. But there's no grayscale. So Jesus here, he redefines this for us. And then the, the next chapter in chapter 13, he tells us what the purpose of family is. What's the purpose here? Why is that so important for Jesus? Why in this entire teaching where he's healing people, where he says, come to me if you're weary, where he says a tree shall be known by its fruit, where he talks about the sign of Jonah, where he talks about evil spirits, why does he even talk about the family here? Guys, notice here in, in this passage, his family interrupts his mission. They had become a hindrance to the mission of God. And he says, no, if they're not doing what the Father has said, if they're not following me on this mission, then they're not part of this family. He says, those who hear and obey God with me are part of this family. And why is that? Well, he says in, in chapter 13, because our purpose in the eternal family is to sow seed. It's to share our faith. It's to make disciples. It's to live on mission together. It's to go out into the nations. It's to be salt and light. And he says in verse, uh, later on in verse 44 and following in chapter 13, he gives, he, after he talks about seeds and weeds and all these things, he, he gives uh, three little parables on the kingdom of heaven. And you see here that the kingdom of heaven surpasses anything the world has to offer. Even our idea of family structure. He says that in verse 4, for the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search, sorry, is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Guys, have you done that? Do you value the kingdom of heaven that much that you have given up everything for the king? Everything. He sells all that he has. He gives all of it up to not just go dig up the treasure, but to, but to buy the entire field in his joy. That's, that's following Jesus. That's why Jesus says, if you're not with me, you're against me. That's why he says, if you're not gathering with me, you're actually doing the business of scattering. Because he says the kingdom of heaven is not uh, straddling the fence, fence proposition. The kingdom of heaven is not um, um, one foot in, one foot out. The kingdom of heaven is you are all in. 
You have given up everything for the king. And he says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one, one pearl of great value, went and sold all the other ones that he had, everything that he had, and he bought that one thing. He gave up job. He gave up house. He gave up children. He gave up spouse. He gave up family. Everything for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the king. And he says in his third parable, if we can do that, we'll just gather fish of every kind. And you have to ask, is that what you want? He says in verse 51, have you understood all these things? Have you understood that? This morning, have you understood all these things? That's heavy, guys. You got to be done playing church. It's heavy. The kingdom of heaven is no joke. The days are evil, Paul says. Paul says it's time to wake up because you know salvation is nearer to us today than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put on our Lord Jesus Christ that you no longer satisfy the desires of the flesh. You no longer gratify those. That's what it means to live in the kingdom of heaven. You might say, man, that sounds hard. That's why Jesus says, I will give you rest. Because it is hard. Because guess what? You are to bear your cross daily. You think that's easy? You think that cross weighs nothing? That cross pushes us down, and it's, a, it's something that we have to carry daily. We have to be living sacrifices. Not, being on an altar is not pleasant. Like We have to die to ourselves every day. Guys, that is what living in the kingdom is about. And even family, even family, which is good and a great gift from the Lord, we have to give to the Lord open-handedly open-handedly and say, God, you do whatever you want us to do. You take us wherever you want us to go. We've said that as a church. And I want want to encourage you to say that as individuals who are part of this church, who we're trying to equip and empower you to live on mission. Because Jesus is asking you this morning, have you understood all these things? And so I want you to take the next 20, 30 seconds and I want you to either say to Jesus, I will go wherever you want me to go and I will do whatever you want me to do. If you're ready for that, Jesus is ready to use you for his glory today. I'll go wherever you want me to go and I'll do whatever you want me to do. So I want you to take the next 20, 30 seconds to say that if you're ready. If you're like, "Ah, I just can't say that yet, ask Jesus to show you why. Ask Jesus to show you what you need to have more open-handed for him. And it may be family. Family may be your hindrance this morning or today. And so take the next 20, 30 seconds and let's just do that together. I'm going to do it and I'm going to reiterate to Jesus, I'll go wherever you want me to go and do whatever you want me to do.
Jesus says, if you have understood these things, because his disciples say yes. They say, we have understood all these things. He says, so now it's time. Because the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house. And now it's time to bring out of his treasure what is new and what is old. What is new and what is old. As our church is bringing forward a lot of what is new. But we're also holding on to what is old, that is good, that is of God, that, that isn't the tradition of men, but is, is God and kingdom. And so we are, we're not discarding the baby with the bathwater. We're bringing both things, what is new and what is old, so that something new can happen in the church, where we are making disciples who make disciples. And you'll see in the next passage that Jesus does this, and unfortunately, he's not honored by the religious people. He's not honored by the traditionalists. He's not even honored in his hometown by even his own family. And because of that, it says he didn't do many mighty works there because they didn't believe. So the question is, what do you want? Do you want to see the kingdom come? Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you actually want to do what you're destined to do, your destiny in Christ, and make disciples? Because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming so many of us, we might not even know where to start with that. So we want to give you the tools for that. And if that's what you want, we want to help you go wherever God wants you to go and do whatever he wants you to do. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it does not return void. And so use your word to shape our hearts this morning, today, whenever people are watching this, use this to shape us and to form us into your son's image, the perfect image of the invisible God, so that we look more like you, Jesus, for this world that needs your love, that needs your grace, needs your mercy, needs your goodness. May we just be agents of restoration and reconciliation, making disciples, living on mission with you. In your name, amen.